Good morning, Alex and friends. I'm Grace. Today is Wednesday, January 24th, 2024, and you're listening to Alex's News. Turning to our local weather update, Riverside is bracing for a chilly day ahead with a forecast high of 60.7 degrees and an expected low of 51.5, so be sure to grab a jacket as you head out the door. In today's top stories, we'll delve into the significant military developments as the US launches airstrikes in both Iraq and Yemen, signaling an intensification of conflicts with Iran-backed militias and Houthi forces. This move, raising concerns among international observers, poses serious questions about the future of regional stability in the Middle East. In the business world, eBay, the online auction and shopping giant, has announced layoffs in response to intensified competition and economic headwinds. We'll explore how this fits into broader market trends and what it might mean for e-commerce moving forward. Lastly, in a sobering announcement, the hands of the doomsday clock have been adjusted ominously closer to midnight. We'll discuss the increasing existential threats cited by scientists and policy experts that necessitate this grim warning to the world. Stay with us for in-depth analysis and reporting on these stories and more, here on Alex's News. We begin today's bulletin with an urgent story unfolding in the Middle East. Our top story today is the United States military conducting airstrikes on multiple facilities tied to Iranian-backed militias. Reporting on this developing situation, we have our very own Ethan on the line. Ethan, can you give us the current status of these operations? Yes, Grace. The United States military has launched targeted airstrikes on three militia facilities in Iraq and on two locations housing anti-ship missiles in Yemen. The Pentagon has justified these strikes as a reactionary defense to the recent attacks on U.S. personnel and maritime assets in the area, primarily conducted by groups backed by Iran, such as the Kataib Hezbollah militia. Ethan, when we talk about these facilities targeted in Iraq, what exactly was the role of these locations specific to the U.S. strike? The facilities hit in Iraq are believed to be significant logistics hubs for the Kataib Hezbollah and other Iran-aligned groups. They've been using these hubs to coordinate and launch attacks against U.S. forces stationed in Iraq and neighboring Syria. It's a clear message that the U.S. is willing to take action to protect its service members. We're also hearing about missile sites in Yemen being targeted. How does this tie into the broader situation? The missile sites in Yemen hit by the U.S. airstrikes housed Houthi anti-ship missiles, GRACE. Essentially, the Houthis have positioned these missiles to target international shipping lanes, posing a clear threat not only to the U.S. Navy but also to global trade. The Southern Red Sea is of critical strategic importance, and the U.S. action here is to preempt any potential disruption or attack. Now, this represents a significant escalation, doesn't it? especially considering the history of engagement in the region? Absolutely, Grace. This is the first time we're seeing the militias use ballistic missiles against U.S. interests. Previously, it was limited to drones and rockets. The escalation is worrisome as it may signal a readiness to engage in more direct confrontation. And this escalation has already been met with opposition, correct? What has the response been like in Iraq? The Prime Minister of Iraq has immediately condemned the U.S. airstrikes as a breach of their sovereignty. This further complicates the U.S.'s position, balancing the need to protect its personnel while respecting the autonomy of the nation in which they're operating. It seems like a complex chess game. What are the potential implications of these strikes, Ethan? Well, 
we're looking at a few possible outcomes. There's the risk of retaliation from these militias, which could lead to further instability across an already volatile region. For the US, it's about deterrence, but there's a fine line before it becomes provocation. What about the human cost, Ethan? Any word on civilian casualties? Yes, Grace, unfortunately. Initial reports suggest at least two fatalities and a handful of injuries in Iraq. We don't have clarity on the impact in Yemen yet, but civilian harm often escalates tensions and draws international condemnation. And I imagine there's also international concern, particularly from major players like China? That's right. China has expressed its concerns and called for restraint, particularly in the Red Sea. They've connected the tensions to the broader conflict in the region, including the situation in Gaza. China's stance underscores the need for dialogue to avoid escalation and maintain global trade security. Well, it's a rapidly evolving situation and one with global repercussions. Thank you, Ethan, for that detailed report. My pleasure, Grace. Thank you. Stay tuned for story two, coming up next after a brief break. Significant changes are unfolding at eBay, the renowned online marketplace established in 1995. The company is set to lay off 1,000 employees, which shakes out to about 9% of its workforce. With us to dive deeper into this development is our own Chloe, who's been following the story closely. Chloe, what can you tell us about what's going on at eBay? Well, Grace, eBay's CEO Jamie Iannone has blamed a business slowdown and the need for the company to become more agile especially in these challenging economic times, which is why these layoffs are happening. It's clear that the competition, especially from giants like Amazon, is having an impact on eBay's operations and perhaps their market share. That's quite a substantial cut. eBay isn't the only one making these hard decisions. Can you speak to the larger trend we're seeing in the tech industry regarding job cuts? Absolutely, eBay's situation is part of a massive wave of layoffs across the technology sector. This year alone, major names like Google, Amazon, TikTok, and others have announced cutbacks. NPR reported that more than 191,000 workers in U.S.-based tech companies were let go this year. This includes Amazon slashing over 27,000 jobs, Meta with 21,000, Google at over 12,000, and Microsoft letting go of more than 11,000 employees. The sector is really reeling from a shift in consumer behavior post-pandemic and the overexpansion during the pandemic itself. It's troubling to hear about this kind of upheaval. eBay has certainly seen its share of changes over the past decades. Do we have any insight into how eBay and its competitors plan to adapt to these post-pandemic conditions to prevent further job losses? They're certainly trying to remain viable and prevent future layoffs. Companies including eBay are diversifying their strategies. They're working on improving supply chain resilience, leveraging technologies like cloud computing and AI, and digitalizing more business processes. Companies are also looking at hybrid work models as a cost-saving measure and re-evaluating their office space needs. Leadership has to be tech-savvy and quick to adapt because the landscape is changing rapidly. With all the strategies being implemented, should we anticipate a stabilization in the tech sector anytime soon? It's what the sector hopes for, but it's difficult to predict. These strategies should help, but whether they'll completely ward off any further layoffs is still uncertain. The tech industry often navigates in uncharted waters, so we'll have to wait and see how effective their measures are in the long run. The road ahead looks complex for eBay and the tech industry at large. Chloe, thank you for this in-depth analysis. My pleasure, Grace. 
It's a story we'll keep a close eye on. Good morning, everyone. Here are some other headlines we have from the political sphere. In a significant development, Donald Trump has won the New Hampshire GOP primary, outpacing his competitors, including former UN Ambassador Nikki Haley. This victory, following his strong showing in the Iowa caucuses, further cements his lead in the race for the Republican presidential nomination. Despite facing heavy criticism and the shadow of prior controversies, Trump's win in New Hampshire marks a considerable setback for Haley, a vocal critic of the former president. In his victory speech, Trump continued to make unfounded claims about the 2020 presidential election. Nonetheless, Haley remains undeterred, vowing to continue her campaign, underscoring the fact that many states have yet to hold their primaries. On the Democratic side, an unexpected twist occurred as President Joe Biden secured a resounding victory in the New Hampshire Democratic primary through a uniquely successful write-in campaign, despite not actively campaigning in the state. This win serves as a gesture of party unity and support for the incumbent president, quieting concerns about enthusiasm for his re-election campaign. Though the New Hampshire victory won't translate into any nominating delegates for Biden, it demonstrates a robust backing within his own party. The election data paints a clear picture. Donald Trump's base remains as solid as ever. According to AP VoteCast data, a record turnout in New Hampshire's Republican primary favored Trump with a considerable margin, particularly among registered Republicans. Haley found support among unaffiliated voters but not nearly enough to challenge Trump's strong lead. Looking back at their heated exchanges in 2020, we're reminded that a rematch of the presidential debates between Donald Trump and Joe Biden could be on the horizon. As we consider the New Hampshire results and their implications for the 2024 general election, the possibility of seeing these two political giants on the debate stage again grows ever more likely. Stay tuned for the rest of the day's news, but that's all the coverage we have on the New Hampshire primaries for this morning's broadcast. For the latest news, remember to check your local listings and trusted media sources. Have a wonderful day. Turning now to a story which might seem like something out of a science fiction novel but is, in fact, a serious warning from scientists about the state of our world. Ethan, you've been following this. Could you tell us more about the Doomsday Clock and its recent adjustment? Absolutely, Grace. The Doomsday Clock is a symbolic clock face, maintained by the Bulletin of Atomic Scientists, representing a countdown to potential global catastrophe. Recently, the clock was set to 90 seconds to midnight, the closest to metaphorical doom it's been since its creation in 1947. This was covered widely by NPR, the Associated Press, and even internationally by the Montreal Gazette. That's quite alarming. What has prompted this shift closer to midnight? It's a myriad of factors, Grace. The bulletin cites increased nuclear risk and nuclear technology advancements as major concerns. With countries modernizing their arsenals, the odds of a nuclear conflict, however unintended, could rise, potentially leading to mass extinction and a nuclear winter scenario. So, besides the nuclear threats, are there other factors they're worried about? Indeed, there are. For instance, biotechnology and genetics advances have been a double-edged sword. While they're tremendous in tackling diseases and improving the quality of life, they also harbor the possibility of man-made pandemics. Synthetic biology could let loose pathogens with catastrophic results.
Let's shift focus for a moment. Artificial intelligence has been a hot topic for years now in tech circles. How does AI factor into these threats? It's a significant concern, Grace. The idea here isn't the AI we use daily, but rather an unaligned AI that could develop in ways we can't control. Unpredictable AI poses threats through actions that could inadvertently cause harm to humanity. And this isn't far off future talk. The advancements are happening now, which is incredibly worrisome for these scientists. Climate change has been on the news agenda for a while now. Is that also playing into the doomsday clock's time change? Absolutely, climate change remains a critical worry. The bulletin points out that sustainability is a grave issue. We're talking about extreme warming levels that could bring about tail-risk climate catastrophes that endanger all life on Earth. With all these caveats, Ethan, the report mentions the need for global cooperation. Can you expand on what kind of actions are being suggested? Yes, there's a strong emphasis on collaboration among nations. The bulletin is calling on major powers like the US, China, and Russia to lead the charge. For nuclear risks, that includes disarmament initiatives such as those from IAEA or supporting treaties like the TPNW. Regarding AI, creating international regulatory norms is paramount. Climate change actions span from policies to curtail emissions to investing in renewable energies. There's a clear slate of issues and potential actions there. Could any of these strategies genuinely roll back the clock, in your opinion? It's plausible, Grace. History shows that concerted global efforts can make significant impacts. Take the Cold War era's arms control agreements or more recently, the Paris Agreement for Climate Change. It'll take persistent and united global action for sure, but it isn't beyond the realm of possibility. The doomsday clock, after all, isn't just a measure of peril but also a call to action. We'll have to leave it there, but thanks so much for that comprehensive rundown, Ethan. It's a reminder to us all that the clock is ticking and it's time for action. My pleasure, Grace. Here's hoping next year brings better news on that front. That's all we have for now. Today's episode was made by Alexander King with GPT-4, GPT-3.5 Turbo, the Perplexity API, and the Google Cloud Text-to-Speech API. I hope you have a great day. I'll see you tomorrow, Alex.